Friends, we come to an opportunity this morning to continue our beautiful Day in the Neighborhood series. Our series so far has invited us to look at the uh, ministry work of Fred Rogers as a lens for understanding our pattern in our lives in discipleship, to consider what it means to see ourselves and our neighbors as God sees us with sacred worth and identity. I like you just the way you are, not because you're perfect, not because you've done right, but I like you. We talked about the power of honesty, being honest with ourselves and honest with the world around us, trying to strip back some of the the, the fears that we have of naming those broken places in our story. If we can mention it, then we can manage it together. Last week, we heard about a creative and creating God who meets us not just in make-believe, but in the Spirit's landscape and invites us to be a part of that creative energy that recreates and reshapes the world around us. And today, today we come to a pattern of ritual and routine. When you come to worship in this place, there are things that are familiar. There are things that we do with regularity, particularly in our our traditional service here. And as we come soon to the pattern of the ritual of communion, something that we do month to month as a reminder of who we are, it takes root. Because the simple truth is, is we serve a God who gives routine from very early on. If you look at, we will this morning, the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, you find a God that gives to us patterns and routine, and ritual, so that we might see ourselves more clearly in our relationship with God. So let's take a look at how that happens in Exodus. reads in this way. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. Now this is the story of God's gifting of manna to the people of Israel. They are hungry as they are fleeing Egypt, and they go out and they find this stock, this this source of food, whose name Manal literally means, what is it? And they've been gathering it in, but there comes a day where they collect two sets for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses, and he said to him, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You'll not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, there will not be any to gather. Nevertheless, some people went out on the seventh day to gather it, and they found none. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a strange little text about these people's relationship with the land and God's provision for them. What you find is a God who will give to them exactly what they need. In our Lord's Prayer, we will say, give us this day our daily bread, our hope and our need and expectation. And with this Sabbath law code that's at play in the lives of these people, they find this rhythm and this pattern that the Sabbath will be a day of rest. Come back in a future week to hear about that pattern. What does it mean to rest in God's providence? But the Sabbath routine and this instruction is about creating a sense of ritual. This point in Exodus points to exactly that. They've come to this place in their story where when they've tried to gather too much, 
its spoils. The next day it is, as the text says, filled with maggots and it begins to stink. It is a daily provision, this manna that God is giving. And in the midst of that, in the midst of this generosity, they find a new routine and a new pattern. That on this day where God has commanded rest, God is facilitating it. It's a day where what they bake will keep for one more day. And in fact, there won't be any to gather in on that day. Here in the West, our relationship to the Sabbath and that pattern of a holy day where no work is done has shifted. This Protestant work ethic that we have, this 24-hour work cycle and busyness, the accessibility that we have by phones, we live in a different pattern. But these law codes of the Hebrew Scriptures were about facilitating a relationship between a God who is holy and us who are not. We get so much wrong in our relationship with the sacred and with the divine. The pattern of our sinful lives puts us at odds with God. And in God's desire to be in relationship with us, God provides all of these codes. Not as a yoke upon the back of the Israelite people, but as a way of helping them to have health and the fullness of life, but more than that, a deeper relationship with God. Now what's at the heart of these laws is relationship. Not do's and don'ts, not hand slapping and misbehaving, but a pattern of life that allows for a deeper relationship. That is primary and principal. How do we know that? Well, when God tries another means of relating with humanity... A God who so loves the world that he sends his only son as the incarnation. Jesus treats the Sabbath not with disrespect, but placing first a pattern of relationship. Take a quick look at our gospel text for this morning. From Mark chapter 2, Jesus will gather in the fields with his disciples. I realized I skipped a whole slide there, Steve. Jump, jump down to Mark, and I'll come back to Mr. Rogers here. There we go. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Oh, look at what they are doing. It is unlawful to do such on the Sabbath. Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his company were hungry and in need? In the days of Yabathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful for only priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This too is the word of God the people of God. Thanks be to God. It seems like there's this holy rule breaking that's going on, a shift in the ritual and the routine. David, a man after God's own heart who will eat the consecrated bread, a Jesus who will have his disciples pick the heads of grain. He wants us to know that if we're going to choose ritual and routine over relationship, we will have done something flawed. That the ritual is intended to serve the relationship that we have. The slide I skipped, I just want to go back to because I, I'd taken my wife's advice and have Mr. Rogers on in the background. PBS.org runs all of his oh, many, many episodes. And I was watching one about dining. And Mr. Rogers takes his TV friends to a restaurant. The picture on the left. 
And it was just so fascinating to watch his gentle way of talking about what to expect. As if to a child who's never been to a restaurant, never had the opportunity, or maybe you're not quite old enough that your parents might take you. So he introduces us to the owner of the restaurant. It's very busy. And he sits down at a table and he points and describes the setting. This is the napkin. This is the fork. This is the knife whose blade will always face the plate. Well, there's not a plate there, but he draws this circle with his finger so that we all might imagine it. He orders a sandwich that he gets to help prepare and takes to go. And then when he gets home, he feeds the fish. A routine and a pattern that for Mr. Rogers needed to change. Because it wasn't serving the relationship. Some of you know the story and anecdote. He was sent a letter by a blind girl who enjoyed his show on public access TV. She said, I worry about your fish. Are you feeding your fish? Well, in Mr. Rogers' mind, he would say, every time I walk through the kitchen, I dump some fish food in and comment on the fish. But for her, what happens is she can't see me do it. And so her heart, her relationship is worried about my fish. From that day forward, the ritual and the routine shifted just a bit, where he would say aloud for one of his unknown neighbors, I'm feeding my fish so that she wouldn't worry. We heard this idea that Fred Rogers is a bit of a, a modern prophet of sorts, prophet in the sense that it is the prophets who come to us and say, you are not as you are called and created to be. They're never perfect individuals. They're just trying to represent the hopes and the patterns of a perfect God for us. Fred did that to us. He helped us to know who we were and whose we were. And the power of that story, whether you go back and you watch him in 4 by 3 in black and white or on a bigger screen with HD and in color when he was much older, the simple truth was Mr. Rogers' introduction was always consistent. It was a routine. It was a routine that was intended to create a sense of trust and expectation for his watchers. For vulnerable kids who might live in homes where patterns of routine, expressions of love might not be on the regular, they had somebody that they knew would say hello to them every day, would say goodbye to them every day, with the expectation that the next day was a chance to say hello all over again. 50 years of work in television, his set changed very little. Not because he wasn't interested in the kind of change of climate or what was, what was cool or what was culturally appropriate. He just wanted a space that no matter the age of the kid, as they continued to grow and develop, it would be familiar. That's the pattern of routine and ritual. Fred Rogers was a man of routine, his morning routine was simple. He'd get up, he would pray and talk to God. He would pray for people by name, those who had written him and asked for prayer. He would study scripture and then he would go to the gym and he would swim. He'd do that every day. It was his pattern and ritual. He'd sing a simple taze refrain in the gym's uh, uh, locker room before he'd get in the water to remind him and settle him in. The picture on the left is of a really powerful episode where Fred Rogers taught a special needs young adult how to swim, sharing his passion, his ritual and routine with another 
who longed to know, but maybe hadn't ever been exposed to. And then the 143 sign. So many of you know, and you've reported to me, or you shared this means a lot to me, because I remember growing up with it, that pattern of 143 mattering deeply to Mr. Rogers. It matches the letters in the words, I love you. And so it was a way of him being able to express, 143, to others, this love that he carried for them. But there was another part to his ritual and routine. 143 was also the goal weight of Fred Rogers for his entire life. It was a good day when after his swim he could stand on the scale and it told him, I love you. As someone who's always struggled with my weight, it would be great to have a scale that told me it loved me. It'd be great to have a scale that I didn't feel like I had this contentious relationship. But it was rooted in Fred's routine and his pattern. He was a regular afternoon napper in his employed life, not in his retirement. He was a regular napper. And he was always in bed by 9.30 so that he could get up at 5.30 the next morning and start it all over again. What a pattern. What a routine. Why? So that he could continue to share God's message of hope and possibility of love and identity of honesty and integrity with a virtual audience. The virtual kingdom of God. Not unlike I get the chance to preach on YouTube and Facebook every week to share a message of hope and possibility with those out there that they are worth more than they may know or assume, that God loves them, and by God, so does Fred Rogers. That's what facilitated that. But it wasn't because he was perfect. His lovely bride, Joanne, reflected on that. People would often ask her, what's it like being married to a saint? I assume Camille gets the same question regularly. Nobody's ever asked you that. <laughs> she knew Fred in a different way. Absent of the quote, one of the things that I found that was quite funny in my reading was, you know, we always saw him with the tie and the, the, the cardigans and looking so put together. Do you know Fred Rogers around his house usually just wore an undershirt and a pair of shorts that were three sizes too big? No matter the company that came to visit him or to hang out, he'd just be there in his you know, house shoes and just living his life and welcoming them. Because this was a part of the character of what he was sharing with the world. Joanne asked, what's it like to be married to a saint? Oh, if you make him to be a saint, people won't know how hard he worked. He had a temper. He could get frustrated. Nobody in our house, including our children, ever called him Mr. Rogers. That's not who he is in his fullness. But he worked every day through a pattern of ritual and routine in his relationship as a disciple of God to grow into the person that he longed to be. Because the simple truth is that routine makes us more present and more holy. It is an opportunity out of a pattern of life for us to grow into who we are. We establish routines here in this place as the body of Christ, a routine of service as you've heard the opportunity next week to join in that chance to go out and make a difference in places like the Santa Clarita Grocery, to assemble backpacks 
for the children of asylum seekers that are served biannual conference to go and offer lunch to the hungry in our community. Next week will be a week where we lift our eyes to see not how we are beautiful neighbors, but to see just how beautiful our neighborhood is. Because it's a part of this routine of this place to be a people who will, yes, greet God in acts of piety and devotion and worship as we've done this morning, but will also find the way to go out and to serve as the full people of God. Routine makes us mindful. We know that from the spiritual practices of various traditions and even just from what folks tell us about meditation and exercise. They allow us to focus on who we are, what's going on with our body, how is it with our soul. Because ritual and routine is at the heart of the rhythms of our lives, but also our worship. That's why each week, and we'll do it in the Lord's Prayer, or in the communion liturgy, we didn't do it with Camille's prayer this morning. In this service, we say the Lord's Prayer together to lift our voices in the ritual of praying as one people with one voice. Not because it's somehow a membership card or it's become, I don't know, our cross to bear a burden. No, it's because we know that routine helps us to be more present and to grow in God's and so we prepare ourselves for communion, a rite, a sacred one, a gift of God's holy table, done in the eyesight of our baptismal font. Methodism has two sacraments that we celebrate in. Baptism is an entry into God's great kingdom, community, and family where we are all claimed as God's children and loved and a people worthy of redemption, and a sacred and holy table where we share our gifts, sure, but more than that, where God offers us the bread of life for newness, for hope, and for possibility. The routines and rituals as the body of Christ are just as essential and important as it was for Fred to get up and to pray and to swim and to read God's holy word. For us, our rituals help us with that journey know that the life of discipleship, as Joanne said, it might be hard. This isn't a church for saints, my friends, I'm sorry. Some of you are really close. This is a church for sinners in need of that pattern, that ritual, that life-giving opportunity for God to greet you here week after week so that you can go out and see God in your neighbor, in your neighborhood, and in your lives every time we leave this place. And so we come. We come as a people of prayer, we come as a people of hope, and we come as a people seeking the promise of God, that somehow in the bread of life and in the cup of joy we might know our God and know ourselves all the more, and we might be equipped to go out and be a people who tell God's story. Would you join me in a moment of prayer?